must arm our airmen to outthink, outperform, outpartner, outinnovate any potential adversary. Air Force Basic Military Training has an updated curriculum with a new focus on readiness and lethality. The first command, the Air Force starts here. Hey, hey, everybody, Happy New Year's, and hope everyone had a wonderful holiday season, and welcome in to the pod. Thanks for the subscribe, stream, or download, however you might be listening in. If you get a chance to throw some stars, even a review, we certainly would appreciate that as well. My name is Dan Hawkins from the Air Education and Training Command Public Affairs Office and your host for this professional development podcast dedicated to bringing total force, big A airmen, insight, tips, tricks, and lessons learned from the recruiting, training, and education worlds. So it's 2020, a new year, and we're starting things off with a jolt here on the podcast. We've changed the name to the Air Force Starts Here podcast. And there's a couple of reasons for the change, but really at the end of the day, the biggest one is every single airman is impacted by what we do here in the first command. The Air Force truly does start here in AETC, General Webb, Chief Gudgel. Um, that's kind of one of the things that they're, they're always noting is no matter where that starting point is, AETC is a part of it. And we wanted to have a name that really reflected that. And so we love the name Developing Mach 21 Airmen. And it was great. But we're starting off 2020 with the Air Force Starts Here podcast. Uh, so we're 22 episodes in if you count today, but this was a, a change that we just made. So we hope you like the name. And uh, so that was the reasoning behind it. Just wanted to kind of give you some insight into that. So to kick things off for 2020 here on episode number 22 of the pod, we sat down with Colonel Erica Robbie and Mr. David Crabtree from the A1 staff at Headquarters Air Force to talk about a lot of the talent management initiatives being worked as part of overall total force development. Colonel Robbie is the chief of the Air Force Learning Division and Mr. Crabtree is the chief of the Force Development and Integration Division. Both of them were here in San Antonio attending AETC's Force Development Summit and they gave a great presentation on the topic to representatives spanning every MAGCOM and the headquarters staff. So we figured we'd pass on some of the great information from their briefing. Colonel Robbie and Mr. Crabtree talk about the current talent management strategy, which is designed to capture total force requirements and drive deliberate management that enables diversity and quality of the Air Force's collective expertise. So they talk about the current the little bit of the past and of course the future of talent management. They also go in depth on many of the programs being worked on right now regarding talent management for officers, enlisted and civilian personnel. Tons of changes in the officer arena when it comes to the IDE and SDE processes. They've also worked on many of the programs surrounding the enlisted side of the house, including the EPR changes, the elimination of EPR reports for A1Cs and below, uh, promotion testing, uh, and even step promotions. So you don't want to miss that. Mr. Crabtree also talks to the expanded talent management work going on for civilians uh, at the strategic, operational, and tactical levels, as well as 
the things they're doing with a refreshed OPM curriculum, as well as Air Force-sponsored associate degrees. So really just a spread across the entire Big A Airman experience. And there's also a bit of breaking news at the end, so you don't want to miss this on how to self-report joint experiences using my vector. So Mr. Crabtree will, will talk to you a little bit about that as well towards the end, so you definitely don't want to miss that. So let's get started for the first time in 2020. Let's talk talent management and force development. Episode 22 of the Air Force starts here. Get started right now. So Mr. Crabtree, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm Dave Crabtree, the Chief of Force Development, uh, working up at Headquarters Air Force. A1DI is my office symbol. Been with the uh, Air Force for about 35 years prior enlisted and now DOD civilian for the last 15 years. And Colonel Robbie? Yep, I am uh, currently also in the A1D uh, shop, the A1DL Learning Division. So I'm the division chief for that and uh, got there in October. Um, and prior to that, I was on the OSD staff. So uh, learning a lot in the learning division. So you guys are here in town in San Antonio for the Force Development Summit. and. Uh, first day kicked off this morning and you guys spoke uh, specifically um, around talent management and force development and the things that are going on uh, at the half level but um, what was the main thrust of your conversation this morning and what really struck me is you know really understanding where our talent management needs come from and that is all of the national defense strategy and the things that drive our Air Force mission. So yes, obviously the National Defense Strategy and all of the pertaining documents drive our talent management strategy to develop the airmen we need in the future. Um, talent management is a, a tough business because it's a people business. Uh, identifying the, the right airmen at the right place at the right time under the right utilization is extremely challenging and difficult, especially when you have outside influencers and, and in some cases archaic or legacy uh, assignment processes. Uh, bottom line is, for the, the airmen we need in our future, we need to rethink how we develop our force as well as how we manage our force. And you guys talked about a number that was really striking to me about the number of data systems and you, you threw out the number 117, but what makes that such a, a complex number? <laughs> It's basically what our entire human capital enterprise is comprised of, roughly 117 systems. Some talk to one another, others don't. Um, many of them are legacy systems that probably need to, to go away and, and figure out a better way of, of doing business. But when you don't have data systems talking to one another, that's a challenge. And there's no way that we can pool today that mega data set that we need to identify the talent we have in our Air Force. We have to go to individual systems and basically pull that data, and that's challenging. Uh, another area that you kind of went into this morning was uh, the cross-functional authorities not really uh, articulating requirements, and you mentioned space specifically, and that's such a huge area uh, of interest right now. Obviously, Space Force uh, about to be created with, when they signed the NDAA. Uh, coming up maybe later this week, um, but what did you mean by that? We've got uh, six cross-functional authorities in our Air Force today that have unique mission requirements that are derived from 
other AFSCs out, outside their core AFSC. For instance, space has 13S's, space operators, and one Charlie Sixes for their enlisted force. Those are core to space, but they rely on another 21 AFSCs to do their mission, 21 different skill sets to do their mission. And what we found recently is that we are failing to identify what those unique education, training, and experiences in those particular AFSCs are needed in space. What is space looking for in order to do its mission? The same concept applies to nuclear enterprise as well as the cyber warfare uh, enterprise and testing evaluation and even acquisition. Um, when we can't articulate in a talent management system or a talent management strategy, the skill sets, the training, the education, the experience that we need to meet future missions, we have a gap. And that's what we're trying to close. And so in trying to close some of those talent management gaps, you, know, you guys had a wonderful presentation on a lot of things that have happened um, in force development and talent management at your level. Um, but Colonel Robbie, could you talk to some of the initiatives that you guys have recently been working on when it comes to our officers and their talent management system? Sure, we uh, have instituted a lot of initiatives, both on the officer and the uh, enlisted talent management. Um, some more recent than others, <clears throat> but basically what they've been designed to do is to eliminate maybe some previous restrictions, um, save airmen's time, increase opportunities for both uh, enlisted and officer airmen, and all of those initiatives uh, are designed uh, to better develop our airmen for the, the changing environment that, that we face. So some examples of those specific to the officer talent management uh, the declination of in-residence PME selection without prejudice. So that's a new initiative. Basically, selection candidates um, can now decline to attend their school without prejudice, um, and they can recompete the following year if they still have developmental eligibility. Um, it's a personal choice, obviously. Uh, people are at the different points in their career or, or personal situations that may warrant, um, hey, maybe not this year, but let's not penalize them and give that, that opportunity for them to recompete the next year. So that's one example. Um, we've also removed the IDE SDE select from promotion process so that was something that was instituted for years um, and by doing so we've actually increased uh, our IDE SDE candidate nomination percentage from 20% to 30% so um, that certainly gives uh, more individuals who weren't identified as a select in the promotion uh, process they now have a higher chance of being selected in the, uh, the DEDB process for school selection. We've also instituted the equivalency credit. It has evolved into what we now call the deliberate development. And so what that is is um, all officers at the IDE level who have been accepted um, or enrolled or completed um, an approved developmental program can now apply for um, in-residence credit, per se. So it, it basically it prevents them from having to do that school and then have to go to PME in-residence as well, taking them out of the career field for an additional year. So as long as they, uh, one of their, um, the course that they're in is on that approved list and they successfully complete that, then they can apply for de deliberate uh, development and then they're going to get in residence PME um, for that experience. Uh, they'll certainly still have to do distance learning um, because of the joint PME piece to it, but it prevents them from having to go to um, an in-residence school for an additional 11 months out of their career field. We've also um, 
had a definitely attend policy. It was instituted uh, last year. We've since fine-tuned it and made some adjustments to it. And what that does is the the input that we got from the field was, you know, commanders know their airmen better than anybody else. Um, not that the, the boards themselves, the DEDB, uh, they do a fantastic job at, at selecting the, the, the high-quality candidates to attend PME and residents, but there is some truth into saying that a, a commander does know their airmen well. And so what we've uh, instituted is there's uh, quotas, and it's based on particular senior raiders. So examples are wing commanders, MAGCOM commanders, COCOMs. Um, at the half level, you got your two letters. So there's various levels of senior raiders, and based on their category, they are going to earn a definitely attend quota. And that is based on their eligibility pool size. So the larger their eligibility pool, the more definitely attends they're going to get. Um, so what that will allow is that senior raider commander will be able to say, okay, I have one definitely attend that I can give to my 15 eligible officers, and they're going to have their own kind of mini board, and they will determine what um, officer is actually going to get that definitely attend. And what that will do is when they're selected, then that officer definitely will attend school, and all the rest of the candidates will compete at the DEDB, um, and they will receive uh, – they're either going to get the nod to go or, or not. And so uh, this is our initiative based on feedback from the field saying commanders want a bigger bigger role in that, and that's exactly what we've done. Um, so those are some pretty good efforts in the officer world um, of how we're trying to adopt, uh, adapt and evolve to the changing environment to give officers a better better chance at, the, at force developing them into the future. We're also doing similar initiatives on the enlisted side. Uh, so some of the examples... <clears throat> excuse me, that, uh, that we've instituted is commander early assignment and promotion notifications. So we're trying to do that earlier than normal or that, that folks are used to. Um, we've also eliminated the, the uh, EPRs for A1C and below. So that's certainly saving some airman time in those efforts. Step promotion allocation increase. In 2018, we went from 96 to 180. So that's an 86% increase just in step promotion. So identifying talented young airmen early and uh, giving them that, that uh, early promotion opportunity to continue to excel and lead um, in our Air Force. Um, certainly our enlisted development teams, just like the officer development teams, you know, they, they meet, uh, depending on their AFSE, they, they conduct it a little differently uh, between their AFSEs, but in a nutshell, they all do the same thing where they're, they're looking at their, at their field and they're vectoring their airmen to where they need to go at the right place at the right time. I found it interesting, too, um, you guys really took a long look at some of the senior NCO um, developmental opportunities or, or things that surround a senior NCO's progression through the ranks, one of those senior rater endorsement for accredited uh, degrees, and also um, with the moving master sergeant uh, to, to a board as well as eliminating those tests um, for promotion, so kind of how long was that process and what was kind of the thought process behind really taking a hard look at the senior NCO developmental process? Sure, it's uh, similar to the officer world. You know, you, you take a look and say, you know, do we really need to, to just limit uh, senior rate endorsement to CCAF, Community College of the Air Force, when we have senior enlisted who are attending, you know, some, some pretty intense academic uh, programs. And so the thought process behind that was just what we do with the officers in deliberate, deliberate development is you know you're taking a look and saying hey they're in these accredited programs 
why not give them senior rater endorsement? It's only fair uh, to recognize them for that uh, that talent that they have, have clearly shown. Um, and then the removal of the uh, promotion te testing E7 to E9, um, you know, you, you reach those senior and CEO levels, you, you've proven yourself um, in leadership and, and professionalism, um, and you can only go up from there. So we, we don't really need to test you at that point. You've, you've already shown what you can do, um, and the potential is there for them to continue to do that. So eliminating that testing is another initiative in saving airmen's time and uh, letting senior raiders take a look at these individuals and, and decide you know, the promotion from that point forward based on performance and, and what they're going to bring uh, in the future fight. Yeah, and, I, and I'm kind of going backwards a little bit, but on the officer side, you talked about directed diversity of developmental teams, and right now diversity is such a hot topic across the Air Force. Uh, here in AETC, we, we talk uh, we have a lot of thrust towards rated diversity, um, but really diversity as a whole, uh, as General Goldfein has said, a warfighting imperative. So what have you guys done in that arena in terms of diversity? You know, just uh, just making sure that um, it, it doesn't just look the same um, on, on those panels. You know, the, the, the fair way to do this is to have a proper representation. And so when you're talking, you know, whether it be race or gender, um, you want to cover all the bases to get a true picture of the entire entire talent board, um, and and the only way to get to that is to to have a diverse panel uh, to take a look at. We already have a diverse population, um, and so when you when you have a diverse um, panel of a team of folks taking a look at, you know, here's our talent pool. Um, let's let's see who in this talent pool needs to get elevated to the next level, whether it be for promotion or assignment or school, whatever the case may be. Um, when, when you have that ability to take a look at it from a diverse background, um, it's going to make you that much more effective in the goal that you're trying to attain. And lastly, and, and I definitely don't want to miss this, is the civilian tiers, because you talked a little bit about it this morning, um, three levels of deliberate development for civilians, and I'm, I'm not sure you'll probably tell me if that's kind of a really a first when it comes to civilian development. Can you kind of talk to those deliberate levels? Sure, it's not it's not necessarily a first. We're just trying to clarify that we do have three levels, operational, I'm sorry, strategic, operational, and tactical. Um, strategic is obviously for the, the, the senior grades. We're talking the, the 14s and, and 15s and the higher SESs. We actually have a Air Force Senior Leader Development Program that all those folks go through as part of their force development. The operational is where we're getting down into the mid-level managers, uh, the GS9s uh, through the um, 13s to make sure that they're getting the right educational opportunities uh, equal to their grades. And the tactical level is, is growing that young Air Force into our future leaders. Um, one of the things that we recently did was we converted an organizational leadership course for our civilians that were usually attended by 12s and 13s to a GS 11 only course. This is for many of them their first opportunity at organizational leadership and preparing them for for their next level of responsibility. We also share a lot of resources. Uh, primary example when we're talking about manager supervisors training none of the things that we do in force development are done in isolation. We partner with AFMC, AETC, and a host of other stakeholders. So in order to get the messages out for, for um, manager and supervisor's training, we're actually using ETMS from AFMC 
to, to go out and notify people when they're due for training for managers and supervisors training. That hadn't been done in the past. Uh, so that's an innovative approach as far as how we're sharing resources to let people know what the opportunities are as well as what mandatory training they need to need to take. Uh, most recently and last year was our first test case where we took the entire civilian developmental education portfolio and put the application process into my vector. We had some naysayers out there, but at the end of the day, we nearly doubled the amount of applications that we received and we boarded almost as double the amount of um, personnel that went through the Air Force level boards. So that was a huge effort. A lot of folks said that we could not do this in a one week board at the Air Force level uh, just because of the amount of candidates that were pushed to the Air Force board. But because of technology and the capabilities that we have in my vector today, the board actually finished early and had a high level of confidence that they made the right decisions on the future development of our civilian workforce. I think another program uh, for civilians that uh, is really uh, a great thing is the Air Force sponsored uh, associate's degree program. And we've actually expanded that to our non-appropriated funds employees. So now there are select candidates on the non-appropriated fund side, about 20 a year. They're gonna be identified by their career development teams for vectoring into a college, a college associate degree program uh, conducted at the, the Ecker Center. So again, we're expanding our opportunities. Are we there across the total force? Uh, no, we have much more work to do, but we're making headway. So we've talked a little bit about some of the, the things that have been going on and you guys obviously uh, are working hard, um, but where do you see uh, this movement and this need for deliberate development starting to move uh, as, you, as you look ahead and, and still look at the things you guys need and want to do? I see there's a lot of work that still needs to be done to make sure we've got all the stakeholders identified, we're able to articulate what their requirements are, we're able to capture their requirements and then do gap analysis on where we're meeting those requirements or not meeting those requirements, and then lay down the foundation of how to address those requirements that we're not meeting through the gap analysis. Force development is a warfighting enabler to our talent management system. If we can't develop our force appropriately, there's no way we're going to have the talent that we need to fight the future fights. So when you look at um, the talent management and improvement across cross-functional and functional requirements, um, what does that mean? I, I saw an acronym this morning, or it wasn't really an acronym, but it's capture, automate, and report. So what are the challenges? What have you found there um, as you try to move forward here? Capturing the information such as education, training, um, and experiences aren't too difficult across 117 data systems. Collaborating those, that data set and understanding what that data set means um, an area that we're focusing on is also self-reporting. We have total airmen out there, total Air Force airmen out there today that have unique knowledge, capabilities, and skills that are not captured in military personnel systems, civilian personnel systems, or the like. Uh, There's something that they've done on their own, uh, whether it be they're attending their own schooling uh, to develop themselves further or what have you. We want to be able to have them uh, have the ability to self-report that data so we can capture that experience 
Uh, it's critical, and we're, we're seeing some great rewards dealing with the computer learning initiative. Uh, airmen today are able to identify their computer expertise, uh, and we're able to partner with them and work with them to harness that expertise and even improve it. So we've talked a little bit about it, my vector, but there's a lot going on right now in the my vector arena. And you talked about self-reporting uh, just a second ago. And one of the things you mentioned uh, in your briefing at the Force Development Summit was that a new uh, joint experience self-reporting tool would be coming out uh, in my vector soon. So the Joint Talent Tracking Management System, this was basically a strategic integration uh, group initiative. It's where we are going to allow airmen to self-report their joint experience. Uh, I'm not saying that we're going to give them joint credit. That's not the intent of this. It's to identify their joint experiences so we can capture that joint experience and bring that to bear, uh, especially in our joint fight. That tool will be released in my vector. Uh, we're looking at the end of December next week, early January. So members that have that joint experience can go in and self-nominate and we will go through the process of validating those requirements or that nomination process and making sure it's captured somewhere in our talent management system for future years. So my vector, when you look at it holistically, seems to be growing. I know there's a lot of uh, things that you're looking forward to in the future, but what are some of the improvements that are happening right now uh, in my vector? There's several improvements that we're making uh, in, in the MyVector. Again, MyVector is developed as an agile development concept. What does that mean? We, can, we constantly improve the development of what's happening in MyVector. Uh, it's not a, a one-stop uh, one and done mentality. We constantly look at a continuous process improvement lens to see what we can do better in MyVector. So we are doing hot washes on our officer enlisted and civilian developmental education boards as well as DT vectoring, developmental team vectoring in my vector today to make sure that we've got that right. Um, we're going to also migrate over to some new capabilities in my vector. For those of you that don't know out there, there's 140 capabilities in my vector today. Um, I've just touched on a few at the Force Development Summit, but there's 140 capabilities in my vector today that air many airmen don't realize because they're not utilizing the tool. They think that the tool is available to them for developmental education. Uh, it's not, it's much more than that. So in the future, we're gonna have individual development plans for our civilians in my vector, airmen development plans for our military members in my vector. We're looking at uh, designated special duty for enlisted to be placed into my vector as a, as a board opportunity similar to the DE process where you can nominate yourselves for a developmental, I'm sorry, a designated special duty assignment, whether it be a first sergeant duty or the like. Uh, a lot of capability is going into my vector and it needs to go into my vector because again, my vector is an interface with all of the official data systems that are out there. And as those data systems get reconfigured, my vector will remain an interface to the official records. So if we can capture it in an official record, we can manage that talent. It's really a really exciting time in the force development ta talent management world right now. Um, so as you look um, even 
two to five years in the future, what would be your vision or hope for uh, talent management and force development? Where do you see uh, the Air Force heading in that regards? You know, I mean, <clears throat> I see them continuing to partner amongst um, the different, you know, all the MAGCOMs uh, and, and HAF and AFPC. It truly is a partnership effort, um, continually evaluating um, and looking to see where adjustments need to be made because as we go forward, the Air Force is just going to continue to evolve um, as, as the, the, the world will. Um, and if we continue to just remain in the, in the same pattern, then, then we've set ourselves up for failure. And so I think the Air Force has done a really good job of recognizing where we need to go and we've instituted these things to get there, but to be mindful that you're under a constant OODA loop of, of evaluation and, and adjustments. Um, and so I see that's where we're going and I'm confident that that's where we're headed because the leadership is all talking that way. Um, and so to truly do that in a partnership world, I think the Air Force is definitely headed in the right direction for that. And in my perspective, um, and I'll, I'll uh, kind of uh, indicate some A1 marching orders that we have in our talent management system, it needs to be responsive, especially to our what the Air Force needs in the future. It has to be agile. It's got to be flexible as the environment changes. Um, it also has to be transparent and it has to be simple for the users. A lot of things behind the scenes will happen. I'm not going to go into the technical aspects of all of that, but the user, whether it's an individual user or it's a developmental team or it's a cross-functional authority or even a functional authority, the system has to meet their needs from a user interface uh, perspective. We don't want to make it difficult. We want to make it very transparent and very simple for them to use that information. Whether they're pulling, pulling reports for a developmental team, uh, whether they're making selections for promotions, we want to make sure that the interface that we're creating in MyVector today meets their needs. Well, I certainly appreciate you guys taking time out uh, of your schedule uh, to talk about force development today. Yep, you bet. Thank you. So there you have it. Episode 22 is a wrap. The first episode here in 2020. Great conversation with Colonel Robbie and Mr. Crabtree. Big takeaway here. Airmen should take the time to get into my vector and check out the changes. You can even set up notifications, which I found to be a great ad. So get into my vector and check it out. A big thank you to both Colonel Robbie and Mr. Crabtree for taking some time out uh, and spinning it with us to talk all about talent management and force development. As a reminder, you can follow both Air Education and Training Command and the AETC Command Team, Chief Gudgel and General Webb on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as on the web at www.aetc.af.mil. Thanks for checking out the podcast as we dive into the world of recruiting, training, and education. For our entire AETC public affairs team, I'm Dan Hawkins. So long, we'll talk to you next time on The Air Force Starts Here.